I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology. And in this first episode of the podcast for 2021, I'm speaking with two emerging Singaporean designers, Cheryl Teng and Jasmine Quick, whose work is part of the Visions of the Future exhibition, which you can visit online until the end of March at visionsofthefuture.sg. So I'm sitting down with two of the designers from the Visions of the Future exhibition. We have Cheryl Tang and Jasmine Quick with us today, and we're going to be talking about materiality. So I actually would like to start by inviting each of you to talk about your projects, maybe introduce us to what it is that you've created for the exhibition, and maybe your thought process and your approach to creating each of your very unique and individual and quite different products that are sitting within the exhibition. So maybe, um, Jasmine, would you like to make a start? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, I've designed the Chun Collection, which comprises of two uh, contemporary tea plins used for the Gongfu tea ceremony. And this collection was actually born out of my study of wood as a material. And it actually celebrates the characteristics of wood itself. The green tea board um, employs the distinct alternative wood rings of wood. Um, while the ink tray employs the natural patina that wood um, develops when exposed to iron. And how did you discover that process? So both were actually kind of my observations of phenomenons of wood. So kind of like a day-to-day thing where I, I realised something um, special with that wood behaviour. Yeah. So it kind of inspired from that. And then I kind of studied the phenomenon and um, experiment with it. Yes. Okay. And what about you, Cheryl? What about yours? Um, for me, um, I created a collection called um, the Louvre Collection and it stemmed from the topic of uh, what I call a pneumatics touch because um, initially I was very um, intrigued by how textiles could be used to bridge um, fashion and industrial design because coming from an industrial design background, uh, I've always and having always been very interested in uh fashion, garment construction, because I came from a family where um, my mom, my aunts, they were all seamstresses. So I was very curious how like that could, um, I saw like my final year project, I saw that as an opportunity for me to um, bridge the gaps in all my fields of interest, basically. And um, so yeah, I dived into um, the project and I found this really interesting material that was actually um, typically used for waterproofing. And I found that, oh, actually, People heat seal it and actually if you heat seal something and there's a plastic coating, it's also airtight. And that's um, how I dived into like a series of explorations, experimentations. And eventually I found this um, interesting pleating technique that could create air bubbles that um, have different um, potential of applications such as um, insulation, such as um, protections like, like, like bubble wrap and even like sound insulation. And that's how I developed the series of products which uh, includes a bag, a jacket, a sweater, um, a wing back chair, a partition and a lamp. Interesting. And so you've both already talked about experimentation, which is really interesting, but I'm going to come to that a little bit later. First of all, I wanted to read out a statement um, by an American writer and curator uh, by the name of Glenn Adamson. And the quote is, 
we make things out of materials, then we use them in ways that bring us into intimate contact with their qualities. These objects in use both prompt and aid our search for knowledge. We learn from the material landscape around us and, in, and that in turn informs how we make things. And so the cycle starts again. I actually would like to have both of you respond to that and, and, and maybe comment on how you feel about that statement in terms of the cycle of materials and materiality. Cheryl, do you want to? <laughs> okay, I don't mind. Um, for me, I, I, I do certainly agree with the statement because I kind of see myself like human beings in general as a sponge. We soak up information from our environment and it's not just um, limited to physical material. There's also like intellectual material and also digital material. But of course, I think when the, when the writer was referring to um, material here he refers to physical tangible um, material which is um, obviously very critical to our learning because from young when we're unable to speak when we're um, when we're just yeah when we're, when we're not um, unable to speak unable to express ourselves we start we learn from um, interacting with our environment from touching products and um, materials around us and I think that's um, Quite, it's quite evident that we do learn from like materials around us in a way that, um, for example, like we can differentiate what is uh, good quality wood versus like um, perhaps plywood or MDF board, or like even like just what we're wearing, like clothing, textiles. We know what is cooling to the skin, what feels uh, warmer for like um, uh, colder climates and stuff like that, and yeah. So, okay, and also for me the most Mm, simplest way of explaining it because I'm, I'm a Singaporean and Singaporeans are known to be foodies, right? <laughs> I think food um, is one way that um, people learn from the environment. Um, for example, like if you compare like a, 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 a an Asian versus like um, Western, we have different we have different tools for cooking. We like in for the Chinese, we have our woks, we have our clay pots. For Westerners, we have our ovens, we have our pans, and um, the cuisines turn out very different. And even it, uh, going further, if we look at um, the ingredients as um, as a as a as a form of material, our food, our cuisines turn out tasting very very different. Not just because of the way that we cook, but also the things that we put into our food. So I I agree that uh, yeah it, it it's true that uh, we do learn from our environment and and what is available in our environment will kind of form uh, who we are. And lastly, um, maybe relating it back to design a little bit, uh, just looking at uh, different designers from different areas, regions of uh, the world. So Japanese, um, the materials that they engage are typically more natural, naturalistic, like wood. And then if you look at, uh, let's say if you look at uh, Italian radical design, they deal a lot more with synthetic materials. Uh, That's kind of a common thread that um, ties the design culture together as well yeah and even like Bauhaus although it is like a reaction um, against industrial design the materials that they use actually in fact um, are very industrial materials yeah mm. which I think is also like related to uh, just the environment that they were in yeah that's really interesting and I might come back to that but first of all I'd like to have Jasmine um, if you want to comment share your thoughts. Yeah, so I agree with Cheryl, so we don't really create something out of nothing. So it's through the observations of 
phenomenons around us, our interaction with products and materials that allow us to better understand the material and build our intuition working with the material. Yeah, so that's how we kind of learn and how we use the material and how we learn from the material again. So like considerations, yes. Mm. So coming back to what you said, Cheryl, about materiality and locality, uh, you know, I would 100% agree with you that I think that designers in different parts of the world would be highly influenced by what materials they're surrounded by and, and you know, whatever level of industrialisation that nation is in. I want to ask you a question about Singapore and um, as Singaporean designers, if that's what you call yourselves, um, you know, how, how would you define the materiality of working here? Do you feel that it's actually quite free and, and limitless in a way? Um, or would you respond to that differently? I guess um, for Singapore, raw materials are really hard to find in the sense like we can't really purchase uh, wood of like this, this whole trunk. So um, I, I guess we have kind of make use of that constraint and that constraint actually helps us scope our work in that sense. So yeah, so maybe that's a good thing actually. It helps us really just scope down on something that might be a, but might be a limitation but can be used as something of an advantage, yes. Mm, well, I guess that's kind of why I asked that question. I guess the lack of natural materials maybe, I would assume as designers and creative people, that it would kind of almost force you to look at everything that's out there. And I, I imagine that that is very much the case with both of you because what you're working with, the materials that you're working with are so different. Um, did you want to add to that? <laughs> yeah, so for me, I totally agree with what Jasmine has mentioned. But I also think that the good thing about Singapore is that it being such an international hub per se, um, we're able to get access, even though it's not, it might not be locally available, we can get access to all these different materials. And um, I do think that we do get exposed to a greater variety of material than someone who just says, for, for instance, in in a rural area or someone who is in a super urban area. We, I think Singapore has quite a good balance of both. So um, yeah, so it, it actually helps us. It provides limitations, but still um, provides sufficient freedom for us to do our explorations. Yeah. Mm. So going back to your material choices being so different, I'd love to know how much of the the material itself actually dictated the outcome. So did you start with a material in mind? I imagine it's quite different for both of you. Um, when, when in that process, in that creative and design and, and exploratory process, did the material become kind of evident to you? Did it start with that or was that sort of just the outcome? Maybe Jasmine. <laughs> so for, for me, um, I started with the material itself. So I was really exploring the phenomenons of wood, studying them and actually trying to come up with something interesting from the explore, explorations and experiments. Yes, so yeah, wood is, I mean, material for me is the first thing that I consider. Yes. Um, for me, I think uh, it's kind of both. Okay, like, um, I think material is extremely critical in um, contributing to my work. And because, I, as I mentioned earlier, it was kind of like an opportunity, like when I was doing my thesis, my final year project, I, I saw it as an opportunity to bridge all my areas of interest. So um, I was looking for, uh, uh, I didn't know that to some extent I wanted to create a garment as my outcome. But at the same time, I also wanted to look for that material that can, um, enable me to achieve the outcome that I want and and when I started with working with this material which I thought was really interesting I realized that um, oh it has 
it has certain properties that may not lead me to uh, making a garment, which I was totally open to. But then um, I think part of being de a designer is um, looking at what are the gaps that are available and how you can bridge these gaps and uh, kind of help the stars to align and um, achieve what you have in mind. Yeah. So it was really about sort of finding a solution and problem solving for you in a way. In a way, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, within the exhibition, there's a number of different themes that are touched upon, um, quite varying, some of them very specific to COVID and, and obviously the pandemic that we're living through at the moment, and others are broader issues that we were facing even pre-COVID, like waste reduction and sustainability. Um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the role of innovation in materials. Um, and, you know, perhaps how important a role innovation may play in the future of mankind in terms of, you know, recreating processes and distribution and manufacturing, but also in terms of materiality um, and waste reduction. And I wanted to ask both of you to comment maybe on what kinds of innovations do you think you, you might predict that we would see in the future when it comes to materials specifically, whether it's high-tech or even low-tech even? I think what we can see many companies are doing right now is develop um, antibacterial, antiviral um, kind of uh, materials, surfaces and all, and... I think that's the most straightforward one. But beyond that, I think uh, one big takeaway for me this this entire pandemic for designers would be resourcefulness. It's uh, more perhaps it's uh, making things from the limited materials that we have around us, or the creation of products with of simple found objects. Uh, so that in itself is a form of material to me, and uh, to the use of homemade or uh, craft processes to bring products to life, and yeah, even. Uh, perhaps like repair like Loway and Mervyn's project, mm. uh, like looking into different materials to, to, to repair their um, products products that people have been using for a long time. So I think these are the things that can, we can look forward to. Yeah. Mm. What do you think, Jasmine? Yeah, just what she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to you a bit about, um, you know, balancing a sense of tradition and maybe local materials. I think one thing that has become evident throughout the pandemic is, uh, you know, countries that don't have a manufacturing industry and don't make anything, uh, you know, have been caught out because shipping and postage has either stopped or become delayed. And so, you know, um, supply chains have been severely compromised. So, you know, if we are to try and potentially balance those sorts of things in countries where local materials are available, um, how do you think that research into new materials, techniques and technologies, you know, what sort of role do you see that playing in the future? Is there going to be a balance between the two? Do you see there being more importance played on local and traditional or do you think that that will be balanced with new innovation and new techniques? Or is it just really about innovation? Curious to know what you think. By balance, do you mean um, having both? Mm. Uh, yeah. Of similar importance? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. For sure, both are definitely important. Personally, my personal take is that both are important. I mean, traditional... Uh, methods, traditional materials, traditional techniques 
they exist for a reason and uh, for a reason and that's why they have last all, lasted all the way with us till today and because they have proven to work to be effective and to serve certain functions or utility but um i think at the same time it's also important that we continue to um, research to uh, whether high tech or even just like um building on because we we are as human beings as uh, relating back to the first quote uh we're actually building upon uh the knowledge that we have around us so who knows like perhaps this could um having combining like these traditional techniques and new materials it could spark um something really uh innovative really inventive and benefit people it could be more effective more efficient in a way um yeah yeah i think that could potentially be quite a nice future to look forward to um what do you think jasmine do you have um, any comments so for me um, be it with a new or old material or innovation i think it's very important for me to for the material to be very simple direct and very honest so the use of the material should be appropriate for it. and yeah it 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 showcases the qualities of the material without concealing the material characteristics yeah that's very important so be it new or old as long as the material is being used to its appropriateness yeah maybe to add on a little bit um it's uh for Jasmine's project especially i think it's really beautiful that she's using using a traditional material and uh she's she's um she's using a different technique and i i think like exploring old, old traditional materials have their values as well because um you never know what you discover like some some unknown characteristic of the material and and that's a whole new uncharted territory of, of its own and that i don't think that conflicts with um like should we use traditional materials or should we be doing like you know i i think they can coexist at the same time yeah mm yeah i think you're right So just on that actually because I think that's a really great point. I wanted to ask you both about how important you think it is to let materials speak for themselves and I guess maybe that is more uh of a topic surrounding natural materials but I think it it relates to both. Um so allowing them to kind of show their symbolic value if they have any and and you know their role in potentially evoking emotion from their users. Would either of you like to comment on that? Yes, I mean it's it's really important to showcase the the symbolic value of materials, especially for natural materials per se, because um, we are all kind of connected to nature. So natural materials kind of bring a very interesting connection to us, and it actually helps with our psychological and sociological being, right? So um, yeah. Sorry, so the question is on the value of natural materials. Um this one was about the importance of letting materials speak for themselves, I suppose. So allowing them to express some sort of symbolism or emotion and maybe that's more kind of relevant with natural materials, but maybe not. So I guess how how does that relate to what you were doing? You know, you're working with a, a textile which has obviously very particular properties. Um how much manipulation do you think you should you know i guess um force onto a material before it sort of loses its inherent value so i um for me personally i don't think that um it's something that's only applicable to natural materials it's also applicable to any form of material that we work with uh because after all, all these man made materials 
have once been uh, a natural material in a way, like even for textiles, uh, I mean, maybe except for plastics. Yeah. So I think letting a material speak its propensities uh, subtly through the product is uh, really beautiful to me. Uh, it's quite poetic that the, the material itself is able to express and speak um, their stories, their characters. And when the owner grows to appreciate it, uh, there is this relationship that's formed between the user and the object. And I think that makes um, the, the object uh, an exceptionally um, symbolic, meaningful one to the user. Yeah. And I think, yeah, so going back, it, it doesn't just relate to, um, to natural materials. Like there are a lot of plastic products these days that we have that, I mean, plastics are also meant to do certain things and there are so many kinds of plastics and we um, apply different kinds of plastics to different, um, for me, like, for example, my textile has a TPU coating and I wouldn't use any other coating, like, uh, for example, like uh, PVC because it's way too rigid as compared to a TPU one. Yeah. So I think every material has has their own story to tell and we should we should let them speak their narratives. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Um so Jasmine, I'd love to have you maybe just tell us a little bit about what you think the value is in working with natural materials. So like what I've mentioned just now, um I, I feel like humans have this innate attraction to natural materials and processes. So this connection actually can bring very good uh, psychological and sociological benefits to us. And, and that's the reason why, you know, in interior design and architectural, there's a lot of natural materials and natural, um, yeah, natural materials being placed inside to kind of create this environment where people are able to kind of um, heal. Yeah. Mm, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the psychological benefits because Cheryl, actually, I wanted to ask you about you know, the choice of your materials and the outcome of your project and its protective qualities, whether or not they may just be psychological. Um, but can you talk a little bit about that, the, in, the inherent qualities of what you decided to work with? Uh, actually, as I mentioned just uh, earlier just now, is that uh, this material actually has... It's not just psychological. People have been using it for protective purposes, but not for what I've applied it uh, on. It's more of uh, waterproofing, which is kind of a protection against water. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's water resistant. And I think the um, thing that's really beautiful about this textile is that it looks so un unassuming. It looks just like any other polyester or cotton weave textile. And, but... Actually, it's not. It, it has that like secret little coating, the, the TPU plastic coating that makes it so special. And uh, but at the same time, yeah, it, it, it doesn't look anything like it. And for me, the really um, psychologically, I guess the, the psychological part where um, it, it provides this feeling of protection is where um, this light veil transforms into this reassuring shell after you uh, pump in and inflate it with air. And... Uh, and it still looks extremely soft because of how it resembles the polyester fabric. And uh, yeah. So I wanted to go back to experimentation because you both talked a bit about that at the very beginning and the role that that played in your design process. And I wanted to ask you maybe both to elaborate a little on that and to talk about how important experimentation was 
in the process. And I'd, and I'd also love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how many iterations or versions there were <laughs> of what you created before <laughs> we get to see, you know, the products that are sitting at the design centre at the moment. So. Jasmine, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so for me, I always experiment first, and after that, with the experiments, I actually analyze what happens. So um, I did a lot of um, experiments with wood, especially with the staining one, where I really tried different methods to get the iron staining effect to work. So yeah, I had a whole table filled with explorations that were there the entire semester. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, it was a lot. All I can remember is a lot. It's really, <laughs> it's so much. I have a few bags of textiles that I still keep at home, uh, although I've documented them. Uh, because I'm developing a series of products, uh, okay, for me, the first part um, of experimentations was actually to finding uh, the effect, the pleating um, effect and technique that I currently have. And before that, I, I had, yeah, I had so many failures, so many mistakes that I've made. And I think it was a learning journey for me. And after that, when I was developing the products, I still had to continue looking for exp exploring, experimenting with different effects that um, could cater to the product. For example, if the chair one, if they were made of um, smaller air pockets, smaller bubbles, it wouldn't have resembled or linked as well with a wingback chair because of the upholstery patterns that were used. Uh, yeah, so, if, and for the soundproofing system, uh, it, it, it could have been extremely bulky instead of being um, this thin and also... Um, yeah, so there was a lot of experimentation and a lot of um, explorations, which I did struggle. It, it was a struggle, but it was also to me, um, this experimentation process was also a form of play and um, courageous um, courage to me to, 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 to be um, not be afraid of failures, not be afraid of um, making mistakes and uh, yeah, letting every, letting every idea in your head because ideas can live in our head for a really long time. So for me, like uh, this experimentation, this making process was kind of an opportunity for me to, um, for, not for me, but rather for the idea to have a life of its own. And then we, we, we look at whether it survives uh, because in our head, everything is very, um, it's very rosy. We think that everything works, but when we actually make it, that's a whole different story. And I think I'm sure Jasmine can relate with me. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, when when you experiment, you actually learn from it, and from that, you actually learn the rules of the material, the process, and from then, then you can actually bend the rules and yeah, create something that you want or you des uh, desirable results. Yeah. So controlling the 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 method, the process is also yeah very important in this. <laughs> I'd, I'm so curious to see all of these little discarded samples. <laughs> I would love to see that, actually. <laughs> um, so my, my final few questions for the two of you are about, um, obviously, the times that we're living through. And, and the two of you, I think, represent, you know, a new young generation of designers. And I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about how this year's events and the, the pandemic and the situation that we're in has perhaps shaped or changed your worldview or even how you're practicing design? I think the relationship, I mean, us being um, circuit breaker, like being forced to stay at home, we've been confined in this little space. And I think that really um, have us reevaluate our relationship with um, the materials, the objects uh, that we have around us, even the spaces, especially the spaces, I I'm quite sure, yeah. And uh, yeah, and 
this definitely um, has changed the rela- the way that we look at the, the next time we make purchases uh, of different products. I, I'm sure that that will have impacted us um, subconsciously, subconsciously or not. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So also another thing that I think is important is uh, adaptability of products. Uh, being in one space, maybe then we need to create products that are more um, adaptable. And uh, it's also important for products to uh, subtly provide a sense of calm, um, a form of sanctuary to, to people who are really anxious right now. Yeah. So, yeah, which I think uh, natural materials is able to... Natural materials or not, like just materials in general that, that we're surrounded with, are able to provide us with this um, sense of calm if, they, if we just let the material speak for their own. Because as I mentioned earlier, it's a form of poetic living. It's a, it's a form of appreciating uh, what we're surrounded with. Yeah. Mm. What do you think, Jasmine? Yeah, like what um, Shara said, um, uh, I think through this um, event, um, I actually appreciate filling my, my home with things that actually spark joy in me and also allow me to just relax and heal. Yes. That's nice. So my final question is, is really, again, related to the pandemic and you know, the, the world that we're living in. And I think there's been a lot of discussion about whatever the new normal might be or a post-pandemic world or you know, whatever the terminology might be. You know, so much of our behaviour has changed this year uh, and I think many people hope that some of those behaviours don't revert back to what they were pre-COVID, but I'm curious to know whether you agree with that. Do you think that we're going to fall back into pre-pandemic behaviour, some, maybe some bad behaviours, bad habits, or do you, do you have hope and are you optimistic about um, the, the opportunity that we have right now to create new behaviours and perhaps a new world? I'm a glass half full person, <laughs> so I'm, I'm optimistic. And um, yeah, I, I think that um, all these habits that uh, regardless one wants to admit it or not, I think it has changed uh, one's lifestyles in one way or another. Uh, yeah, I, I think even the way that um, people interact with object surfaces, people are way more mindful about what they're interacting with uh, right now because of all the like germs and virus and bacteria so yeah I, th- I, 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 I hope that this would be here to stay because as a material like as a, as a designer that works um, heavily with materials uh, it's kind of nice <laughs> to see how a material gets appreciated yeah when we become more aware with, um, with what we're touching the different surfaces that we interact with yeah mm. Do you feel optimistic about the future? Yes, definitely. Okay. Well, I'm really glad to hear that the youth is optimistic. That <laughs> That's certainly encouraging. Um, I, I want to congratulate you both again for what you've achieved with the exhibition. They're really thoughtful, beautiful products. Uh, and it's been a real pleasure chatting and getting to know you a little bit more. Thank you for having us. Thank you.